Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily for Saturday, March 19th, as the Philadelphia Flyers went down last night in Ottawa. Back-to-backs for games for them. Uh, final score of 3-1 to one in Ottawa. Flyers just uh, look like they ran out of gas in this game in that third period. Halfway through it, only had two shots on goal in the third. And they went into that third, tied at one. They did block 27 shots in the game. That's a season high, uh, but ultimately end up losing the game to a Senators team that had lost eight of their last 10. And uh, no Claude Giroux, obviously, for the Flyers, and still a member of the Flyers as of recording this. And uh, we'll see what happens coming up at the trade deadline. Tim Stutzla ended it up. Tim Stutzla opened the scoring 10:45 into the first period, his 14th goal of the season. Then Cam Atkinson tied it in the second with 6:10 to go, and Josh Norris on the power play gets the eventual game winner, his 25th of the season. And then Alex Forbenton uh, picked up a shorthanded goal uh, into the empty net, 3-1 the final in the game. Martin Jones played very well for the Flyers. Great rebound control out of him in this game, but ultimately the Flyers after what was a very emotional week in the back-to-back, and Ottawa hadn't played since Wednesday, and it was at home, and the Flyers just uh, ran out of gas in this game. It happens. Not going to make the biggest deal of it in the world, all things considered, uh, but uh, they go down against the Ottawa Senators. Now, Tim Stutzla, I thought he was the best player on the ice in the game, and he's a guy that was drafted third overall back in the 2020 NHL draft. And, you know, the notion always is, you got to be as bad as you can be so you can get the number one overall pick. You're disappointed if you end up with three. But guys like Stutzla are taken third in the draft, and he is a really good player. Player out of Germany and has uh, really developed into a nice NHL player. 14 goals already and has not played a ton in the NHL. But those are the type of players that can really help a team. And these young players that are taken in the first six or eight picks in the draft – they seem more ready-made for the NHL than ever before. So uh, Tim Stutzla, another good one uh, that the Senators got. Hasn't paid off for them. They've been in kind of rebuild mode for what seems like an eternity. And uh, they haven't really made any headway. But we're going to kind of get to the reason why coming up with one of our Twitter questions. So I wanted to take some questions for this episode in advance of the deadline on Monday. Obviously, I realized that Something could change by the time some people hear this. As of right now, Claude Giroux has not been traded. He's still a member of the Flyers. So is Martin Jones. So is Derek Broussard. So is Justin Braun. All still here. But let's get to the Twitter questions because I think we've got some good ones in this episode. And we start with Jake at Jay Farringer on Twitter. And he says, how many players do you realistically see being traded from the Flyers by Monday night? Well, Monday at 3 p.m. is the NHL trade deadline. So we're just a couple of days away. How many players? Well, I think three to four. At least three, possibly four. I don't think that the deals for players that have term left make as much sense to happen right now. In the offseason, when teams are resetting their roster around the draft and free agency, you can get more teams involved in those deals. But the three I expect to be traded, Jake, are obviously Claude Giroux. I think that's a fait accompli. I think that Martin Jones will get dealt because teams can always use goaltending depth. I think Derek Broussard has a good chance of being dealt. I think Justin Braun fits on a lot of teams and for a lot of reasons. Number one, he's having a really good year. He's got 16 points. He's got five goals. That matches a career high. And obviously, he hasn't played 82 games yet this season. And 
He's a, a right-shot defenseman that can play on a third pair, give you defensive depth, and he doesn't make a lot of money, so a lot of teams can fit him. And he's got experience. He went to a Stanley Cup final. He's been in the playoffs a lot of times. So I think he's a guy that for sure is gone. Um, Keith Yandel, I think, is unlikely. Uh, but I do look at uh, those other three that I mentioned with Giroux, Jones, Braun, and Broussard. That would be the four. Um, I, again, I don't think that we're going to see one of those hockey trades here at the deadline. I think that that's more something that could happen in the offseason. Let's get to uh, at Trading Angry. T. Houston says, what chance do they realistically, the Flyers, have at a successful retool? He says, this is given. One, they need to re-sign and replace G. Two, they already have little cap space to do so, uh, let alone improve. Three, need all of the aging vets to not only play, but show little effect from their injuries. And he said, max 5 to 7 10% chance. Well, is a retool just next year? Uh, we got to define what retool is, first of all. Um, now, the notion that they don't have cap space, they do have cap space. They can get involved and they can shed more cap space uh, if they're able to move James Van Riemsdyk's $7 million cap hit or buy him out. So they do have cap space. They could have upwards of $16 million. Uh, yeah, they do need to replace Claude Giroux. And they need high-end talent. I think that's going to be the big task this offseason. I think when a GM, as Chuck Fletcher said, talked about high-end talent, that's pretty telling to me. That tells me that said GM is going to go after high-end talent and do what it takes to get it. Um, number one, uh, we address the cap space year. Number two, and then the three, uh, need all the aging vets to not only play but show little effect from their injuries. Well, I think we're seeing a Kevin Hayes back this time that is looks much better he looks more like Kevin Hayes from 1920 than he did it the entirety of last season and certainly the previous portions of this season. So getting him back and being the Kevin Hayes of 1920 or really close to that is key. Totally agree. Sean Couturier coming off back surgery. There's a question mark there. I, I can't deny that there's a question mark there. I don't think that he's going to go into a slide in his career. I think that it, from what I understand and talking to Sean Couturier on the podcast the other day, is it was a discomfort situation, and he'll he'll be actually have more time to prepare for next season. And I expect Sean Couturier to be Sean Couturier. And then the other aging vets, I guess we're looking at, is certainly Ryan Ellis, and that's a big question mark. So with those question marks comes not a, a lack of certainty, so I get that. Uh, but a retool is only successful in certain situations. A rebuild is only can only be successful in certain situations. And the Flyers have the one biggest key to a retool. The one biggest key. If you look at all the teams in the NHL, you look at the standings, and it's pretty telling because you can tell who has the one thing these teams that have had a successful retool need. Okay, let's look at the Buffalo Sabres. Let's look at the Ottawa Senators. Let's look at the Montreal Canadiens. Let's look at the New Jersey Devils. Let's look at the Arizona Coyotes. Let's look at the San Jose Sharks and the Seattle Kraken. These are all teams at the bottom of the standings. I know the Kraken, it's their first year. They're not in a retool. But what do they all have in common? They don't have legitimate goaltending. Now, let me show you the teams that are all retooling and doing well. Even Columbus, for that matter, doesn't really have goaltending. They have Corpus Allo and Merzlikens. It's okay. It's not great. Now, the teams that are retooling and had success. Nashville, they were a team last year at the deadline 
that was in sell mode and then all of a sudden decided not to and made a push for the playoffs and got in. They ended up selling and trading Ryan Ellis in the offseason, but why are they able to retool and recoil? It's real simple. UC Soros. He's been excellent. He's the most used goaltender in the National Hockey League. He's played 51 games, and he's got a 924 save percentage. Okay, so that's Nashville. Let's look at a team that's recoiling like the Vancouver Canucks. They've got Thatcher Demko. Look at a team like Calgary, who's been up and down. The reason why they've recoiled and turned into a really good team, it's not just Daryl Sutter. It's the goaltending of Jacob Markstrom, who has been incredible this season. you got to have goaltending. And if you have goaltending, you can recoil or retool. If you don't, you've got no chance. The Flyers have goaltending. Carter Hart has rebounded from last year incredibly well. So that ups their percentage considerably. It doesn't do anything to guarantee the health of Ryan Ellis, Sean Couturier, or or other players coming off injury and Kevin Hayes, but it does give you the most valuable commodity in hockey, and that's goaltending. If you don't have goaltending, you're looking for goaltending. It's like in football. If you don't have a franchise quarterback, you're not going anywhere until you find it. Flyers have that part of the equation. Uh, Jay Sesquela says, how big of an impact does Ekblad's injury have on Giroux talks? I don't know if a lot of people saw this, but the injury that he suffered last night, it was in the first shift of the game. I think it was a minute five into the game. And you really can't get a great view of what happened, only to know, though, that he was in incredible pain and could not put any weight on his right leg and had to be carried off the ice. This is a guy who had a horrific injury a few years ago. And he has been a a rock back there for the Florida Panthers. He's a guy that I think was absolutely going to be a Vesna, or not a Vesna, uh, a Norris finalist. And I don't know what the impact could be. I really don't. But that if he's lost for the season or and can't play in the playoffs, I mean, that's a huge, huge hit to the Florida Panthers. No question about it. So remains to be seen, uh, Jay Sesquilla. We'll see where that goes. All right, Mike H. tweets in. He's got two here. He says... uh, He said, with all the crazy trades, why are we led to believe that Giroux's value isn't through the roof? A couple of expiring contracts contracts with less impact than G are getting huge returns. He said, if the seller's market continues to trend towards overpaying, could we see a bold strategy of moving guys like TK, Sanheim, Provorov, and getting the next generation core pieces? All right, let's take the first part. Um, Yeah, there's some guys that were traded, like you saw Hagel get moved from Chicago to Tampa, and they got two first-round picks. You know, the crazy thing about that is the return for in that trade was actually higher than Jack Eichel. But there was pieces going, too. So it's it's all different, and it's circumstance. But um, value is high. It is a seller's market right now. Uh, that can shift very quickly. We'll see how things are affected by Ekblad and, and other situations and players that are available that we don't even know are available. So that, that's part of it. The flat cap really makes things dynamic. And the second part of what you said, if the seller market continues to trend towards overpaying, could we see a bold strategy of moving TK, Sanheim, Proveroff, and getting the next generation core pieces? Again, I don't think that that's a deal that gets done at the trade deadline. I just think that's highly unlikely because teams in their cap situations that are going to the playoffs and looking for a run are pretty set up. And a, a deal like that Take some, you have to take something off their roster to make a deal like that. And teams going to the playoffs tend not to make a, a swap, if you will. 
tend not to want to take something off their roster to add something. They'd rather just add it and give up prospects and picks. They're adding to their roster, and yeah, they're taking something off it, but they're taking a weakness off. In this situation where you're swapping players, you just don't know how players are going to assimilate. It's why I've never been a huge trade deadline guy um, for a lot of teams because I I don't think it works a whole heck of a lot. Like, I think Calgary's going to stand pat. They made their deal a couple weeks ago. They got Tyler Toffoli, who Daryl Sutter knows very well. He coached him in L.A., won a couple of cups with him. They made their deal a while ago, and there's no reason to make any other moves. Teams make moves sometimes, and, you know, it can upset the balance of the room. It can upset the balance of play for the team when you take— somebody's got to come out of the lineup if you trade for a guy and he comes in. And how well is that guy going to fit? It's no guarantee. I mean, you go back to Butch Goring with the with the Islanders in 1980. That's the big one that worked great. Uh, but there's a lot of deadline deals that simply didn't pay off for the team. And like Brian Burke, uh, the executive now president of the Pittsburgh Penguins, always says, uh, there's only one Stanley Cup. Only one team's getting it. All these teams think they're getting it by making one deal. But there's only going to be one handed out, so there's going to be a lot of disappointed people. But uh, I think a TK Sandheim or Proveroff move, any of the— any of those guys getting moved is more likely to happen in the offseason. Eric Bowman tweets in and says, if Jones and Braun get traded, who are the replacements for this season? That's a good question. Uh, first of all, for Braun, I think you're going to look at, I mean, you're not just going to bring up Connaughton or Sealer. Those guys are your depth guys. I mean, we could see players from the Phantoms. We could see an Igor Zamula. Uh, I'm hoping that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see young players. Now, Braun's a right shot. Zamula's a left, but you got to figure that out. But I want to see some young players. I want to take this opportunity of this season where they're not going to the playoffs that doesn't matter standings-wise at this point to get a look at some guys and see what they can do against the best players in the world. Uh, as for the replacement for Jones, Felix Sandstrom seems like the logical uh, candidate. He played one game earlier this year at a 43-save uh, effort in that one. Uh, he is back healthy, played last night for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. So I would imagine it would be Felix Anstrom. Uh, Anthony DeGrazio tweets in, and he says, what do you think the biggest need is this offseason? He says, how do you think this team starts filling roles and creating an identity? He said, I think creating an identity and a belief system with the franchise is the most important part of this offseason. And from your mouth to God's ears, I totally agree. No matter what you do and before you do it, you have to know what you are going to be. You have to know what identity you are building. You have to know that you cannot stray from that identity, and you got to be committed to it. I think that's the most important thing. You can say, who's the next coach? The next coach is the guy that's going to fit the identity of the franchise going forward. What is the identity? That's what you got to figure out. That's what they need to figure out. That is so important to me, and I think that that is the number one thing. They need help talent-wise, sure. They need more D. They're going to need high-end talent. They're going to need more players on this team that can play with speed and skill and put the puck in the net. They've struggled too much to score this year. They need all those things. But before any of those things, they need an identity, a DNA, and a belief system, like you said, and I totally agree. All right, let's take one more. Timmy B tweets in. He says, uh, I like Kite Coach Yo. He's grown on me through this whole season. I feel like the team's bought into what he wants sometimes not executing it. He said, do you think going forward he could be the official head coach before next year? This team needs a consistent vision. 
Um, we've talked about this a little bit with Bill Meltzer, and I've touched on it a few times. Look, Mike Yo is in a ver- very difficult spot. He's taken, He took over a team that was reeling, confidence gassed, everything. Incredibly injured, fielding half of an AHL team in NHL jerseys on so many nights. And he's trying to break some bad habits on and off the ice, identity issues, all of those things. And, you know, when it comes down to it, though, you know, and I don't know, and I don't think he's done a bad job. I just, there's just not enough wins there. The, the, the record of the team, the wins and losses didn't change enough. And that, and I don't think that has anything to do with Mike. I think that's just the situation that he's in. It's unfortunate for him because I think he is, has done a good job. And I think he has, you know, held a mirror up to a lot of, a lot of players and he's been critical and honest and this team needs that to move forward. But is he going to be the guy that's going to be the next head coach? I don't think so. All right, everybody. That's another edition of Flyers Daily in the books. Flyers will be back in action tomorrow to take on the New York Islanders. Two o'clock puck drop at Wells Fargo Center before they head on a five-game road trip to wrap up the month of March. So we'll preview that game for you coming up tomorrow. Everybody, in the meantime, have a great Saturday. And we'll talk to you on a brand new Flyers Daily tomorrow. Yeah.